You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello everyone and welcome to a What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. You're joined today by Hunter Godson, Jude Summerfield, Sean Walsh, Dan Kilpatrick and I'm Ben Haynes. And we're sitting here in the wake of what is just the worst feeling and the worst... Oh, I don't even know how to... Just losing to Arsenal is always absolutely rubbish. But losing in that manner is just the worst. Jude... One thing that is very positive is a delight to have you back on the pod. How are you, sir? Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks, buddy. Just tracking along. Great, great performance at the weekend. Exactly what we've come to know and love. So, you know, <laughs> that was, we it's make sort of, everything brighter. Sort of thing that makes you want to sing your Spurs and you know you are. Spurs <laughs> <laughs> and I know I am. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Shawnee? How did you experience the game? Where were you? Uh, I was at home, but I think the only way to really sum up my viewing experience of this North London derby was at the end of last week, I had an appendicitis scare and I spent a lot of time at the hospital doing all sorts of tests and stuff. And I spent a a lot of sleepless nights in the last few days. Nothing this weekend has been more excruciating than watching that first half performance. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, you got to live the dream and see it live. <laughs> I did, yeah, I got to say I was there. Very good. And it, I assume it was equally as painful? Yeah, yeah, from the Spurs' point of view, it was obviously strange quantifying that pain because it felt like such a good... Well, in fact, it was easy quantifying the pain because it was such a good afternoon for Arsenal and obviously everyone in the Emirates was absolutely loving it mm. uh, which which kind of only made it worse I mean horribly my girlfriend was there as an Arsenal fan like she is an Arsenal fan but she never goes but she got a <laughs> ticket for, for the game so it was like the oh, first God. time we've ever been at a game together um, so you know not not one I especially wanted uh, to go as it did. Oh man Hunter what was your where were you? I was at home with a couple of Arsenal fans so that was, that's always nice, in your house, being berated. <laughs> yeah, being, wanting to kick people out of your home just for minute one. At half-time, one of them literally said to me, we can go if you want, and I was like, no, you're all right. I, I, I had exactly <laughs> the same experience. So I actually, I'm 
I had a couple of Arsenal supporting mates that came around to watch the game. That was bad enough. I had the thing that you said in that one of my Arsenal supporting mates after they scored was like, oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Like, do you want me to sort of tone it down? I was that at 3 0? Yeah. He's offering me pity at 3 0, <laughs> saying, do you want me to tone it down? And I was like, Jesus. Mm. And then to add insult to serious injury, my missus clearly didn't read the room and thought it'd be hilarious to come in wearing an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> she read the room in some way. She <laughs> got that horribly wrong. And then there was like, we weren't really talking for quite a prolonged period of yesterday. And she said, oh, I just didn't realise it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you bloody did. <laughs> done. You so did it sounds like for all round, a five out of five, a grand slam, it was just a horrible, horrible day. Mm. Um, we won't start with the good because it just feels like it's not in keeping and we can't start with the beautiful because that's not in keeping either. We've got to start with where it went wrong. So the first half we'll say for the ugly because we'll get into that a little bit more philosophically in a second. But the bad... I think all of us flag this. It's just the midfield. Shawnee, get us off to a flyer. What was your take on the midfield yesterday? Well, there's a screenshot going around of, I think it was the ninth minute, it was still at nil-nil, of what the midfield looked like when we had possession. And so the back four and our half, and then there's this huge gaping chasm in the middle of the Emirates Stadium pitch where there's no one, like, it was similar to the thing at Chelsea, like, and Dominic had kind of come out to the wing-back area. Um, Ali was beyond the defenders. Even Hoiberg wasn't there. Like, just no one in shot. You could not believe that this was nine minutes into a nil-nil. I could understand if this was, like, the 80th minute and we're, like, 2-1 down. We're trying to just get find a goal out of something. I can't understand that this is the kind of game plan that we set out with. And I know we'll, we'll get into that, but... it. It's just beyond belief. I've I've never seen a Spurs midfield play like that before. Mm. Yeah, I mean that 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 image, Sean. I tweeted it and I did the Cara right there, and he replied. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that on MNF tonight. <laughs> oh so, God, yeah, they will. So we'll be ripped apart on MNF tonight. But it was it was shocking how players that you needed to be on the ball or wanted to be on the ball kept being moved further and further away from the ball as the game sort of pro- progressed. And it, I, I brought it up when we played Chelsea that the, the it was Ali and Undombele fell into the fullback positions often to pick up the ball. Well, on this one, they were almost playing as, they were almost trying to double up on the on Tierney and Tomiyasu, but with little to no effect. And all it led to was Spurs hoofing it long and hoping to win the second ball, which I don't think they want a second ball for about 60 minutes, I don't think they won a second ball. So it was, it was, inc- it was incredibly oh, just unbalanced. The whole thing looked so unbalanced. And, and Hoiberg in particular, well, and, uh, that's not even fair. I d- I, it's hard to start with who was worse in that midfield three. But I think the whole thing, Nuno took some responsibility. I think, Dan, you, you, you were there after the game. I think he took some responsibility, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He took full responsibility really, in that he didn't blame the players at all, so he didn't want to blame the players publicly and said it was my fault. Uh, I think he said his game plan didn't work, he made bad decisions. And so he literally said, it's my responsibility. So 
that was commendable and I think refreshing given what the last guy would have probably <laughs> said. <laughs> Can you imagine what the last guy would have said? Can you imagine? <laughs> so yeah, that, that was something, but I mean, it didn't, I don't think it will fill supporters with, with optimism or, or confidence really that, that Nuno's kind of up to the job and as harsh as that is to say at this, this very early stage, but yeah, it was very bad, but, but just to, to answer your question from the, start Ben I mean what went wrong I mean you've got to go back to 2018 haven't you I mean I want to kind of take a oh, bigger picture view on it to be honest because I, I do think Nuno's just a... gonna take some flack today and, and and this this has been written already at you know in various places and I, I'm touched on it in my piece today but you know th- that result has, has been in the post for a long time it's been a long time coming um and you know th- there's been a catalogue of bad decisions going right back you know several years really um, and they long predate Nuno so while he got it horribly wrong and it's a worrying pattern because he also got it horribly wrong against Palace I think um, we have to say that you know this isn't all on him um, and it's not all on the players you know there's there's much bigger more deep-rooted problems um, than you know his tactics on the day at play here. I feel like we're screaming into the abyss with like the 2018 stuff because I don't think it's a secret that to Spurs fans what's gone wrong starting from that summer window back then. It's just I can't believe that we're still here and it, and it's still the same thing. Like you wake up every day, oh, what's playing in Spurs? Oh, I still did that twenty eighteen window. Oh, great. great. <laughs> but Sean, you you basically wrote about about it today, right? And I read your piece. And yeah, yeah. Basically saying. Every decision since then has been confused. There's been no joined up thinking. There's been absolute mm. this, and you can see that on the pitch and off the pitch. It's still like the same thing. And a great example of that is Spurs put on an incredible uh, performance on Saturday night at their stadium. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a resounding success. And, to, and that's Tottenham off the field in a business situation have made the right choice. It's a brilliant event. They probably make... I have no idea what they make on those nights, but a fair chunk. We're talking millions. Yeah, a fair chunk of cash, and you go, okay, fine. But then on Sunday to go out and and do that, and that shows the sort of the disparity between the two of what's going on in the footballing world and what's going on in the business world, and that's where Tottenham have split in the last couple of years for me. Like, and well, ever since we got the new stadium, it's just been one bad decision after a bad decision in, in a footballing sense. I suppose we should point out that our record at Arsenal, well, particularly at the Emirates, is just mm. rubbish. Yeah, it's 10 years. 10 years without a win. And it's two wins in total, right? That's that's mm. literally it. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, but it's the matter. In the league. It's always the matter. Like, you can say that, and but, you know, we in the last sort of six or seven years, it's always been fairly... I think there was a 4-2 in there where we got absolutely run over, but... It's always been a cup. Two five twos in a row, yeah. But there's been a lot more one-all draws than than there have been in in years before that. And and even so, it's just about, as you said, I think we're moving on to the... I think even by Spurs' recent standards at the Emirates, yesterday was bad. Yeah. I think, yes, you can say... There's, you know, a history of passive performance at the at the Emirates. That's true. But even by that yardstick, it was shambolic yesterday. 
So then, Arsenal in 2021 are so bad. Like, yeah, we shouldn't ignore well, that. Arsenal are now convincing themselves they're good. They're not good. They're not going to finish top four, probably not even top six this season. That was we're just that, somehow worse. That was that was going to be my sort of next question though. Like, why was this one? Like, we've seen Spurs lose the Emirates. You know, why did this one feel worse than the others? Because it, it, it on paper, I mean. Technically, that first half was the worst first half I think we've ever had at the the Emirates in terms of the timings of the goals mm. and the amount that we conceded in the way of kind of like XG, etc. Like, why was this so bad? I think it's two, it's two things, isn't it? It's one, the first half in which you get that inc- complete, abject, chaotic performance with no style or substance to it whatsoever. There's no plan. And then the second half, when Arsenal dropped their tempo and sort of end up matching Spurs' intensity. Even then, when we have a lot more time on the ball, a lot of, we're seeing the ball in more dangerous areas, you just never felt like Spurs were going to do a, really put Arsenal under considerable pressure and, and cause them to make mistakes and play and create chances. The chances we created were half chances until the goal. I mean, even the goal, mm. though, for me, the goal comes because Brian Hill's more committed to a challenge, not through real creative art of, like, creative attacking patterns. You yeah. know, Brian Hill just mm. wins the ball and it drops nicely to Regulon. It's not... You, you're not thinking, oh, that was really clever the way we worked mm. through them there. And equally, much as I don't think Arsenal were anywhere near as good as the world seems to believe, I, I do feel like they're at least... Which is smarter than us. But that, I think that's the other reason thing thing will scare Spurs fans is is Nuno being outthought by Arteta like this early on to, to be completely outthought in the first half and to have to wait until half time to see that there were massive massive issues with that system when we were three when you go one nil down and you can see they they were starting to have similar patterns of play were starting to appear fine it's okay it's fine you might go one nil down. To go 2-0 down is like, right, okay, now we need to change it. It's not working. We're getting run. You know, every single opportunity is coming through the same thing. To not change it, be there at half time and be like, right, okay, now we'll change it. That's not good enough. Uh, would any of you guys have made a sub at 2-0? When you th- I, I said in the pub when we were watching, it's like, it's gone to 2-0 and they're just running all over us. Like, they need to make some changes now because none of those midfielders seem to have any proper role like whatsoever they're all playing as eights and like none of them were showing for the ball and nobody nobody wanted it was really weird nobody wanted to go to Sanchez or Dyer and get the ball and start playing passes it was left to those to just hoof the ball forward um so we just couldn't retain any possession and they kept coming back it was it was pretty atrocious would have made about five at 20 minutes I reckon (laughs) you say substitution wasn't it he didn't even need to necessarily. Could have just. Yeah. We need what what Arsenal did. They had Xhaka and Party sitting as a flat two in front of the the back the, the back line, and that just meant we couldn't play through. If we'd matched that up, we would have seen a very similar. If anything, it would have nullified the game completely. But at least then you would have gained some control over the the the, the tempo of the game. I think that I think we have to come on to the the ugly bits now here because of this. The, for me there's one thing that, that really sticks out head and shoulders is, as, as you said there, Jude, it's not just the fact that no one wanted to come and receive the ball, but I'm expecting in games of this magnitude for there to be at least four or five players to think, oh my God, this is my chance to do something that Spurs fans will remember forever. 
that Spurs fans will love me for forever. And I mentioned Lamella earlier on, like, granted, he got sent off last year, but you could tell that he could not wait for these games. And what worries me is that I saw on the flip a Bamiyang having that game yesterday. Mm. He was at it. He wanted everything. He wanted to win every header. He wanted to chase every ball. When he scored, like, he was just, you could tell that he was just coursing through him. I looked around the Spurs team and I, we can talk about tactics for sure, but there wasn't any player that I saw in there that I thought this player just is getting it today. And the person I usually look at at the tempo would be someone like Hoybier. And even mm. Hoybier yesterday, like, just getting out worked, out four. And I realise that's very football gammon your da stuff, but it, it like <laughs> on a derby day, that, that makes up that makes up for a lot of a lack mm. of quality. That's a do. When you said it yourself, Ben, just now, you said, you know, the goal came from Gill actually wanting the ball and putting his body, you know, well, not on the line, but, you know, sliding in to win the ball in a, in a 50-50. Fine. There wasn't any of that in the first half. He showed that. I think Skip showed that. And that was just completely lacking, you know, all tactics aside. It just wasn't there. So that's why I think it was such a rotten performance because it was a combination of just awful tactics that made absolutely no sense and were completely unclear, but also players who looked like they were just kind of unwilling or unable to commit to the game. They looked surprised by the fact they had to play a derby. You know, they really did. And there was definitely an element as well of them being kind of either unwilling or unable to just follow what Nuno must have told them to do, because clearly he didn't tell them to be that passive. <laughs> clearly he'd have tried to to rouse them because absolutely any manager in the world would try and you know rouse his players for for a derby in some way. So it it was just that combination of hopeless approach and just a, a, a lack of any kind of commitment on the pitch that made it so bad, I think. When you I remember how bad it was last year. Like it, it wasn't really till we had 10 men in that, that game when until we actually started making something. But I remember asking Lucas a couple of days after in a press conference about why why are we so bad? And I just pulled his answer up. He said, in the game against Arsenal, I don't think we played at our level. We didn't do well. I think we started with no intensity and we were too passive in the game and we cannot let that happen. And it's just like, well, that's just happened again. Mm-hmm. So that's it's, it's not even, it's not about like, like you say, but it's not like a your dad thing, like wanting to play for the shirt and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just doing the very basics, just playing with intensity and aggression and just can't even do that. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd said something similar yesterday is like like we can like tactically yes this is clearly absolutely miles off it and we've been completely like Arteta has outthought uh Nuno here and he's, he's got his tactics spot on but you cannot forgive the intensity in and out of possession and that's something you picked you said there Dan that they're not able to do it it, it honestly looked like after 20-30 minutes that players were, were tired yesterday and that might have been that. That often happens when a team gets on top and they start getting building confidence. But the fact that someone like Smith Rowe and Odegaard were picking up the ball in in fifteen twenty yards of space, it's like that is just for me that's unacceptable. It took, and I know again this is going into your Dar territory, but like Ollie Skip coming on and, and putting one on Aubameyang actually lifted some of the other players around him. But that's in the seventieth minute. And Hoybier got all up and involved all of a sudden. And then everyone was sort of... And then everyone came to, and then we almost got the penalty. I mean, whatever. The penalty was a penalty. I'm, I'm, I, we don't need to have a conversation about the penalty. It was a penalty. The I think we're 
in danger, or maybe I'm in danger of kind of canonising that 30 minutes against Chelsea. When it was- <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what? There was desire and there was a logical tactical approach in that game and there was commitment there was clearly players following quite detailed instructions and that's what made Arsenal so odd what do you think we could have done what we did against Chelsea against Arsenal I mean yeah I I don't I don't see why not I mean I, I just I had a feeling sort of before the game that you know everything felt kind of quite finely balanced didn't it I mean it felt like Nuno had struck on this way to play against Chelsea that that looked like it had a future and was quite effective. And he kind of spent the week talking that up and, and saying how positive it was and how it was something to build on. And you just kind of wondered, you know, did he have the guts to follow through with that? You know, did the players believe in him enough to follow through with it? You know, it, it, it all felt like it, it kind of could go one of two ways, really. Um, and... It, obviously went spectacularly the way we all didn't want it to go. Um, you know, it just didn't look like, you know, all the things that Nuno was saying about building on Chelsea and kind of, you know, using that as a template happened. Um, it was clearly an, a new approach, you know, designed for Arsenal, which seemed to basically involve giving Tommy Asu um, you know, heading practice by kind of clipping. That was the only kind of, approach I could I could kind of gather from the first half it was just bizarre that's absolutely mad we, we were scouting Tommy Asu all summer as well you think we know that we'd be fine with that <laughs> well, yeah quite that, that was one of the biggest disappointments to me was that they've got a fairly new a fullback who's fairly new to the Premier League fairly new to this team and we didn't manage to isolate Sonny with him like at all like it, that, that wasn't part of the game plan. There's a massive oversight to not go, right, OK, let's get one of our best players going at one of their new players. And he was up against him once and he tested Ramsdale at the near post. The first yeah, game. exactly. So why, like how, maybe maybe Arsenal did a very good job of protecting him, but at, at about 50 minutes, my one of my friends turned to me and was like, are we defending well? And I was like, I don't really think you are defending particularly well. I just don't think we've, Offered. We've offered yeah. anything at all. The irony of us being uh, caught out by the tactic of high left back. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just horrendous that we've been done with that. Absolutely awful. Um, I, I suppose we could do this all day, but maybe let's try and look at some of the slightly brighter bits. Um, Brian Hill and Skip, when they came on, giving us some crumbs, I suppose. I mean, Brian, Brian Hill, for me, I, I, we're, not, we're not going to talk about the Wolves game now because it's forgotten, but Brian Hill in that game was fantastic. Ollie Skip in that game was very good. And for me, they both justified starting over Hoiber or Deli Ali or actually Undombele in that game was very good as well. So he'd, he had his, one of his mixed games, but he played for 90 minutes. He looked tired. Instantly, 15 minutes into this game, he's not getting onto the ball. And uh, that to me says, because it's what he tends to do in the second half, he doesn't... He, he doesn't like to get on the ball as much because he's tiring. Brian Hill, just full of energy, wants to be on the pitch, wants to move up and down, can press, can play high. Put him in. Put him in as a 10 if you need if you need more legs in there. And then Ollie Skip for me just I, I don't I don't he could have started instead any one of the three in the middle. Yeah. And and I think he justified his 
that against Wolves. I think against Wolves, we actually played some quite good football. Again, that was more building on what the Chelsea game looked like, the first half of the Chelsea game, to go back to Dan's uh, favourite 30 minutes of the season. And um, <laughs> and th- as, as Dan said, it just looked like we we completely went for something completely different in that first half. And it, it backfired in such a way that... It, it backfired so badly that people are talking about is is Nuno's position tenable. So like that's how bad the your first half it was. Just just imagining writing like a season review and it'll be like highlight. I'll be like those <laughs> thirty minutes against Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doing like a minute by minute breakdown of that. <laughs> I suppose we didn't even. Do you know what I said? I'd move on from the ugly, but something that I should really have referenced. I can't unsee those running stats. Yeah, the that, worst in the Premier League, right? That that is really worrying to me, just because that, like that again. I realise it's the whole Yadar thing, but like that to me says we're not doing the most fundamental thing, which is working hard for each other, working hard for the mm. person that's alongside you. And that's what Nuno was supposed to bring. That was supposed to be the minimum. You know, that was supposed to be the trade-off. You know, it would be. Hard working, it would be solid, it would be industrious, it would be united, and it may not be pretty at times, but we're not getting either. Although stats pretty bad then. Because I remember like three or four years ago, you'd have Christian Eriksen getting through about 10, 12k a game. And like even if he wasn't playing well, just like that sheer amount of work was still causing issues for the other team. And it doesn't really seem like we've got that. Proper presser. Like Neville him. was saying on comms about how, like three or four years ago, like when we had the fittest team in the league with Pochettino, that's kind of what you associate Spurs with, like being able to cover every blade of grass, and they're just going to outrun you no matter what. And yeah. I think I saw. I probably. I think I probably associate that kind of style, whether it's pretty or not, more with Spurs than like the attacking football and the DNA that Daniel Levy talks about. And we're we're just so far away from that. Yeah, can you remember who it was, Sean? I, 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 there was a manager who said um, it's like playing against animals or something like that. Wasn't it Mourinho? Wasn't it Mourinho who said it was like playing against animals? Can't remember. There was someone. There was someone who said that, and then there was another. There was a player who said to play for Pochettino, you need two hearts. <laughs> and I remember, I remember at the time, like that was, that was the sort of thing that like we instilled in in the opposition they just knew we were going to outwork them mm. and it gives the crowd such a lift knowing that you're outworking your it opponent. was Kike Sanchez Flores or Kike Flores Sanchez or whatever whatever his name was he said the animals come I love I just I know that doesn't say anything about the quality of your your perhaps your your formation or the quality of your possession or the quality of your creativity but it certainly does say that you're not going to be out for or outworked by the opposition. And in a North London derby, that's just, yeah. But are we still seeing, so speak to, well, you only have to look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's comments post post taking over from Jose Mourinho to understand where he found that United team. He found them unfit. They couldn't do the training sessions he was looking at. They couldn't, they couldn't finish games in the way that he was looking for. And they were falling off massively after like the 65th minute. Are we seeing that hangover now, do you think? Because we're only six games in. It's been a very disjointed preseason for lots of these players. And as, as Nuno said last week, some players have done 20 sessions and some have done 70. Like, and it looks like that, basically. It looks like some players can 
can play with that intensity and some absolutely are nowhere near it. Emil Hoybier being one of them who hasn't impressed yet this season really in the same way that he has. And, and then obviously you're getting the same sort of things that Kane's getting chucked at him. But he gets a, for me, Kane's not playing that that differently. It's a, feed him and he scores yeah. for me. Um, I mean, how many players are actually both relatively fresh from a summer break and match fit now? Yeah. yeah. Three. We have they went, like, even even like Regan on Delhi, Lucas, maybe. And, and Dyer. Yeah. They're probably Dyer, Lucas, and uh, Dyer and Lucas are two of the players that you'd say have probably started the season strongest. Out of, Jaffet as well. Yeah, and Jaffet, like the, mm. the guys that have been there and have done the sessions are probably the guys you'd say. Uh, I mean, Dyer won. Did he win players this month? No, he didn't win player of the month, but he was nominated for player of the month. You, you get what I'm saying. Like, these are the guys. And was it Ryan Mason who was also quite shocked at, at the level of fitness? I'm not sure if we like. Yeah. Basically, I, I agree with you. I think this would be a huge caveat to what's happened in the last three games if the approach approaches at Palace and Arsenal had been better and more understandable. Yeah, I yeah. think Newton would have much more sympathy if, if it had been a decent approach and his, his kind of players had you know let him down on the, the fitness side because it is a bit of a mess to stay the squad at the moment. Oh, I don't, I'm not underplaying. Tactically, we were disgraceful yesterday. Like, if I would have, again, I've said that I've always, uh, uh, when the way Mourinho moved into these big games, I didn't really have a problem with that. that. You know, if we'd sat in yesterday and just ground out a 1-0 result against Arsenal, I don't care. I don't care about doing that against City, United, whatever. It's just, yeah. So to play like that is unacceptable. I mean, that would be a plan, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that would be, at least be uh, one single plan. It'd be much better than what we saw yesterday. Does it, Jude, does it make you rewrite any of those first three games, the last three? Um, well, yeah, to a large degree, now that we've got like a minus five goal difference and have conceded three in the last three league games. So it is it is odd that it, it was only like a few months ago that Spurs did City 1-0 and things did look kind of, you know, as if they were on the up and squad harmony. We, we've sat and talked about how much, you know, Nuno got that squad harmony going at Wolves and how much they love him over there. Um, and he's, he's still sort of figuring that one out at, at Spurs. But... Um, I mean, they've played some some decent sides since, but like, I don't know. It's the the contrast between yesterday at Arsenal and the first game of the season against City when it was all guns blazing and everyone was closing down and showing bite um, to yesterday where there was just absolutely none of it is is quite odd and quite startling. I'm not really sure why it's like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, mm. make much sense of that one. Are we Come seeing yeah. odds on this being another Santini? <laughs> How many games did he get? He got fourteen, right? <laughs> Round about fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If we if we lose to Villa two week international break, I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's like a hard fixture list, like mm. for what Spurs are doing at the moment. They, I think they got West Ham and then yeah, Villa and. Brighton coming up next month or something. I don't know. It's, it's well, not... let me go. I'll, I'll get the fixtures up all so of a we sudden can have that, a little look. All of a sudden, that's not sounding particularly pretty, is it? <laughs> Brighton <Brock, laughs> top of the league this evening. So we have got Europa League on Thursday, Ennis Moura. And, I mean, that's a home game. You'd hope that 
we would win that one. Although there is a question over who plays in that one because we played a, a lot of our big players in the League Cup. Um, Villa at home, Newcastle away, Vitesse away, West Ham away, Burnley away. And, and then Man United is the next run of fixtures at home. So I think the main thing there is that there's a lot of away games and we might just see that Palace Arsenal tactic just used again. Like, I can't imagine that we play at home like that. There's a contrast between the home and away performances this season, at least. There's so, no way Spurs can try and do that first half again. There's just, it's, there's no way. You'll be fired within two games. But I don't understand. I, do, I actually, I, I don't understand. I think I've missed something, but I don't know what it was. It was uh, yeet. Yeet and hope. It was literally <laughs> hit down the pitch. And the only thing, because as you guys have said, there was a big, big, big hole in central midfield, and both the both the central midfielders were sort of going towards their their respective fullbacks. It must be uh, win the second ball, win the ball high, but without well, actually having to. Down. Yeah, yeah. Win well, the so, ball. so in that, it, it, like, if we're to be super kind to Nuno, yeah. are we like? Is there any way we can say that perhaps he was let down by the quality of the? Passing? No, because what because what Arsenal did was they set up to to basically protect that that style that they'd seen him play against Palace, and Tommy Asu coming in basically means you have three centre backs. Yeah, uh, you don't. <laughs> you know what you're picking the ball at. Suppose it. I mean, apart from Harry Kane, who else up there would you put your money on? Lucas Moura is pretty good, you know, to be fair. But who else would you put your money on winning a header up there? But you also, if you're going to go for a a tactic where you play direct and you're looking for someone to drop the ball down in front. Really, you're looking for a Lukaku type that doesn't really have to jump. They have to just keep their defender at arm's length and sort of almost chest it down. I think, I think we're also back. bailing them out. Like, it, whatever was happening in the first half, that there was nothing. There was nothing going on in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's describing um, Nuno's perfect striker as bring Freddie Canute out of retirement. <laughs> 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 Um, right, okay, we've got to get on to, to something slightly different. Now, I, I've seen a lot of people that will no doubt hate this section next, but because there's nothing really beautiful to focus on, um, I do want to talk a little bit about the stadium being used for the boxing. Yes, it, like the football should come first. Yes, that was a horrible result against our biggest rivals. But one thing I think that Daniel Levy will definitely be taking from this weekend is the fact that if Spurs are able to put on 15 to 20 of those events in a year, the income generated, the PR generated, and the value that Spurs get out of there hopefully creates a sort of environment where there's a sustainably run football club that is able to almost compete when it comes to wages, transfers, etc. Shawnee, am I being way too kind off the back of a horrendous result or is that something that you see value in? I see value in it, but I think we're only really talking about it because there was an event there this weekend. If it happened any other weekend, we wouldn't really kind of think too much of it. Um, The stadium is pretty much the only thing that the board have got right in the last few years and even then it was they pretty much overpromised on when it would be delivered and we nearly went another whole season without it. Um, but I, I always try and be positive about the same because it is 
I, I, it is a beautiful stadium. It's so perfectly designed inside. I thought that it was going to be like really co- commercialized and really kind of taking the piss a bit. I think it's perfect in every single way. And I think it is so Spurs. Like when you're in there, you kind of have that feel like it is the old White Hart Lane. Eventually we will grow to love it because we're not going to be bad forever. We will be good again. I'm almost sure of that, hopefully. But it's just such a long-term thing. You're right with how long is it going to take for us to really kind of get those revenues and start using them as like a difference maker, as a differential. Yeah, I, I agree with Sean, but at the same time, it's like, I, I think when you talk about football these days, everyone talks about fine margins. Well, Spurs are creating a margin there. Like they're, they're creating their own wealth. Now, not many football clubs can say that they do that basically. And, uh, Daniel, give Daniel Levy all the grief you want about the footballing stuff, but in the business stuff, this is a, this is incredible. And to have people from around, like from the NFL, from boxing world, from you know the, the music Dude, world, shows, yeah, yeah, go there and pay to be there while we're not using it. It's not like we were supposed to have a game and we got kicked off to Hackney Market. <laughs> 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 it was it was just it would have sat there empty. And it's still, I don't know if you saw the pictures, it still very much looked like Tottenham. There's a lot yeah. of Tottenham branding everywhere. It's not like they ripped it all down and put like Anthony Joshua's face all over the place. Like, I, think, I think that's what it was built for. It was built to take Spurs into that next sort of franchise level. And that's what they're doing. And, and uh, to be honest, the only people I've seen being angry are like, well, the old White Hart Lane. Yeah, but the old White Hart Lane was like a hundred-year-old stadium that was full <laughs> of pieces. So, like, and it was, very, there was, it was just very Trigger's broom about, wasn't it? It was yeah. like <laughs> the version of the stadium they loved wasn't been around for about 20 years. To be honest, I would have quite liked to see AJ fight the old White Hart Lane because yeah. I think that really would have been... <laughs> you probably would have seen more tear-ups in the actual stands. <laughs> but... Um, no, I think it's a brilliant thing, and like as I said, like I'm no, I'm no massive Levy supporter, but I think you can't criticise this. This is what the stadium was built to do. That's why the pitch slides under and is protected under the under the whole, you know, <laughs> under the whole of Tottenham. There's a load yeah. of pitches that we can <laughs> like. That's what it's there for, and um, yeah, I, I think more to it, and and hopefully we see that back in back in transfers and wages and people will say well we haven't yet but you have to remember we just had a year of covid where they missed out on like i think it was eight or nine big events so spurs are, spurs are, you're going to have to be patient we are going to have to be patient just tough to see uh aj losing being another stick to uh, to batter Spurs with, isn't it? Oh, just log on to the Twitter and just see oh yeah he bottled it yeah of course it happened in Tottenham stadium Shut up. The, the thing is, that, like Hunter says, I can't think of another team in the Premier League who can do anything like that. I mean, the idea of putting on an event of that scale during the season and seeing no impact whatsoever on the pitch or the infrastructure mm-hmm. is is incredible. And it, I think it's next month. There's two NFL games, and if, I'd love. I don't know if any of you follow Swiss Ramble on the, on Twitter, but there's usually some the the, the guy posts some incredible stuff. I very eager to see what the numbers say when yeah. we get to the end of the season if we have done 10 to 15 events this is also something arsenal gambled on when they were creating the emirates they wanted to, to take a lot more in match day earnings they 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 made that very clear what they didn't get it right spurs have got it right and are doing it and have made the franchise deals and it's there and it's happening like be happy that we're, we're getting something right <laughs> that's yeah. what i would say <laughs> yeah yeah in and amongst it all 
Um, right. Anything that we've missed out? Anything that we need to touch on? <laughs> the less less we, said, the better. Now I reckon. Just before we finish, did we touch on Harry? No, did we, we do enough we there? No. We, <laughs> well, Harry Winks. Because we last week. Harry Winks wasn't even in the squad, mate. <laughs> he wouldn't have let this happen. Not he our boys. <laughs> he would have shown some passion. Yeah. yeah. I, well. We spoke last week on the pod about where Harry Kane was at um, and I sort of was quite a staunch defender and I said to come the weekend to score a couple of goals against Arsenal and all will be forgotten. Um, did anything happen in this game to make you think things have changed either way? He set up one of their goals. I don't buy the... the sort of narrative that he's not asked. I think that's harsh. I've seen that, you know, all, all over Twitter, obviously. He's an easy scapegoat given what happened in the summer, I think. But, you know, he looks to me to be both kind of still trying. Um, and actually their third goal was a good example of that. He did kind of chase back from an attacking position to try and tackle Saka and kind of inadvertently just knocked it into his path. Um, he seems to me to be both still trying, but also kind of emanating bad vibes, I think. He doesn't look particularly happy. His body language isn't great. He's obviously miserable. Um, I wouldn't be happy if I was running around the pitch and the fans were singing Tottenham get battered everywhere they go for 90 minutes, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was just very that. miserable, wasn't it? I was just about to add that sort of everyone's miserable. So Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And like, like you said, Dan, it's a very easy scapegoat. But realistically, we've just lost two games 3 0 in a row and we're getting we're losing in the derby 3 0. Like I don't know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to see players running around really happy going, Well, we're doing it again, Tottenham, we're gonna make you hurt again. But like I, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it's a bit of a fallacy that he's the one who doesn't look like he's he's trying because I think if we look back to the summer, everyone said he wasn't trying for England as well. And maybe you're just looking at this is what Harry Kane looks like now after 15 major injuries to his legs. He doesn't throw himself about. He's never been that loud leader on the pitch who's shouting at everyone. So all of that, I think, and obviously, yeah, like I said, the hindsight this week has been incredibly clear for everyone saying we should have, oh, well, we should have sold him. What we should have sold the guy with the most assists and the most goals in a COVID period. Like, I think there's a lot of backtracking, but, you know, wild. That is Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's an element, one thing I'd say is an element of personal pride there that he definitely still, you can see that he definitely still has. He didn't want to be the guy that was responsible for us conceding, you know, and, and, and chasing back. The thing that I suppose is a little bit more difficult, it's quite hard to judge because he, he's never someone that I can remember seeing being hugely aggressively vocal in games. No. He sort of carries himself quite, quite sort of you don't seem to get involved too heavily into skirmishes you don't seem to get into clashes all that often so it's quite difficult to tell if a game like that he was also denied his one penalty that he's legally allowed against Arsenal every <laughs> whoever which should have been a pen by the way I'm not really sure about that the ref just decided it and they decided that there wasn't enough to, to, to clearly to take it to the VAR, right? yeah which he was about to blow the whistle and then I think he was like uh, I'll let a VAR have a look but Did then you're right. Though? I moved on so quickly. I don't think yeah. I had a look. I think if that game's at like 1 0 or 0 0, I think they'd have more of a look. No. 
No, but this I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not sure, but it yeah. felt like fairly black and white. Both the guys I was watching with were like, yeah, it's going to be a penalty. And... The, the, the Arsenal fan that I was watching with said that uh, it was because it was Harry Kane that it wasn't a penalty because he's got <laughs> because he's got previous of going down too yeah, soft. But what, what I saw was the ref mouthing to him saying it wasn't a foul. So right. I'm assuming if the ref had made up his mind, it takes quite a strong yeah. clear and obvious. To we'll, say. we'll get back to clear and obvious. Yeah, annoyingly, yeah. that one was clear and it was obvious, and I yeah. don't have any idea. Having said that, I feel like it would have got us out of a hole. But I think we would have drawn the game three all if we had scored. Well, oh, absolutely. If you want a team to... with a plan, get something from that game. If you do, yeah, I, I think if we get if we get any sort of flight, if that Lucas lucky lob, you know, when, when Ramsdale actually made a fantastic save. To be fair, he had a brilliant game. I thought he was really good. Um, but he makes a very good save for a Harry Kane sort of half chance as well. I think we could we could have very unjustly drawn that game. But that probably says more about why we're so de- dejected today is that that is a bad Arsenal team who fold like a pack of cards if you put them under mm. any pressure. And we still couldn't bring... We still couldn't really get there. Well, on that delightful bombshell and damning verdict (laughs) we'll finish up for today uh europa league on thursday we'll be back with you next monday off the back of the aston villa game hopefully things have turned around a little bit in between now and then but i get the feeling that the aston villa game suddenly has got a lot grinding on it so uh one to watch make sure that you follow all the guys on social um if you can leave us a rating and review very much appreciated we'll see you all next monday You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.